Hello, and welcome to another TRADOC Leader Professional Development Discussion. I'm Sarah Houck, Command Information Chief for the TRADOC Communication Directorate and the moderator for today's event. We've been on a little bit of a break, so if you're a first-time listener or a regular, thanks for joining us today as we kick off the LPD series for 2023. Today we're going to deep dive into TRADOC's role in building the all-volunteer force, which celebrates 50 years of success this year. To help drive the conversation, we've got a pair of guests joining us. First, I want to welcome back Lieutenant General Maria Gervais, TRADOC's own Deputy Commanding General and Chief of Staff and frequent flyer for our LPD program. Ma'am, it's great to have you back to start this year of LPDs. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Sarah. First of all, um, thank you to the entire team for starting these LPDs back up. I mean, we had a, we had a great year in 22, um, and I'm looking forward to the series in 23. And it's great that we're starting off this very first one, which is, uh, you know, the Army's number one priority, which is making sure we can recruit and field the force that we need for our Army and our nation. So thanks again. I'm glad to be back. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure to have you, ma'am. And uh, joining us today in the studio is Miss Rachel Melling. Rachel is a member of our G2 team as an intellige analyst. She was actually part of our intern program here at TRADOC, and we're proud to welcome her as a uh, permanent team member. She'll be helping us understand the recruiting mission as it fits and changes within an operations environment perspective. She's also been a panelist on a previous LPD. So Rachel, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Excellent. Um, also joining us today uh, there with General Gervais is Major General Johnny Davis, the Commanding General of the U.S. Army Recruiting Command. Prior to joining the USREC team, General Davis was the Commanding General of the U.S. Army Cadet Command and has served in several capacities responsible for modernizing the nation's Army, such as the U.S. Army Joint Modernization Command and U.S. Army Futures Command. Having led two of TRADOC's core function leads, he is no stranger to the importance of our mission and certainly a welcomed voice to this discussion focused on recruiting. General Davis, it's a pleasure to have you joining us today. Hey, thanks, Sarah, and it's good to, to join you. Rachel, it's great to see you as well. Uh, it's, a, it's wonderful to be on the TRADOC team, and I tell you, uh, I'm all in. And uh, as I operate in the accessions lane and how we you know, build the, uh, the future all-volunteer force, this is just a, a wonderful experience, and I love to share what I've learned and, and where we're headed uh, in the future. So again, thanks, uh, Sarah and Rachel. Absolutely. And before we get started, I wanted to remind all of you who have tuned in that we want you to join this discussion. Leave your questions for any of our guests in the comments section, and we'll try to get them answered during the show. And with that, we're going to get started with the good stuff. General Davis, I'm going to put you in the hot seat to start things off. So. Can you provide some perspective as to why the recruiting mission is so important to the Army right now? Well, it's, it's everything. It's, uh, it's all about manning the force. It's all about national security. And it's all about protecting the nation. And I'll tell you, uh, the number one focus uh, for the Secretary of the Army and the Chief of Staff of the Army all, you know, is certainly recruiting. I think we all understand that. It's a challenging environment. Uh, we also understand that, but the Chief has been very vocal in his guidance to all of us in the Sessions Command, quality over quantity. And that's where I'm focused as a, uh, you know, as a command general of U.S. Army Group Command, uh, is focusing on getting the right person in. Uh, well, I think we have a hot mic. Hi, sir. I apologize about that. Um, you were mentioning some of the challenges that you're facing in the recruiting environment, and so, and you were just kind of providing some importance of why the recruiting mission is at the forefront of TRADOC. 
Yeah, it is, uh, it is certainly uh, a critical environment, and we're fighting for every uh, contract. And I will show you, share with you that uh, you know, there's always challenges. It can involve propensity. It can involve uh, eligibility. It can involve awareness. Uh, there's so many different examples. I mean, I, I talk with uh, thousands of uh, you know uh, young adults across the, the nation, and you know, I've had I fielded some uh, some you know some you know I would say really uh, awareness uh, questions that really caught me off guard. Like, hey, I was told that uh, until I finish basic training in AIT, I can't get paid, or can I own a pet uh, as a soldier? And certainly, all of these things are are not true. Uh, and that's what we're, we're doing right now is really bringing that awareness to the, this future uh, market. And let me tell you, I, I have skin in the game uh, and why this is so very important. You know, my oldest daughter, uh, 2013 West Point grad, field artillery officer, and currently deployed right now. And I wanna make sure that she has the right, uh, you know, skilled, uh, personnel to our left and right, and that the unit is at the right uh, strength. And so that's why I'm so focused on sharing this message with our nation's youth, sharing sharing my Army story, uh, in addition to really ensuring that she is doing what she needs to do to protect this nation and serve each and every one of us. And I also have another daughter, Marine Corps. I mean, before you know it, I hopefully have one that one is thinking about the Space Force, but we'll see. But <laughs> All right. Excellent. Thank you so much for providing some of that um, just baseline knowledge for us about why this recruiting mission is just so important. Um, General DeVay, I actually wanted to ask you, so we've talked a lot about in these LPDs the culture of TRADOC and how TRADOC is, we've taken it very seriously on how to change the Army's culture. Um, how does the recruiting mission fit into changing that culture as well? Is that something that's part of the culture we need to be focused on? Yeah, hey, so that's a, a great question, Sarah. Take a look at it. You know, um, first of all, when we recruit, we recruit across America, and we, what we recruit is we want to be representative of the diversity that is currently in America. And so when you take a look at it and you talk about the culture, um, you know, what we recruit today, uh, you know, those are going to be our leaders and you know, not just our enlisted leaders and our officers, but that's who's gonna be leading our army 2030 and 2040 for what we need to be able to do for the operational environment. So as we're looking at the recruiting environment um, and really taking a look at what, what we're trying to do, you know, <clears throat> it starts with that very first handshake, being on our team and wanting to be on our team. And so when you look at culture and you tie it in, and we've been really making sure that we're focused on providing, you know, an inclusive environment where everybody can be a valued team member. And we want to get to fit and discipline cohesive squads because we know that in the execution of that mission, when you have that and it's built on trust and you have trust in yourself, trust in your equipment, trust in your training and trust in each other and your leaders, you know, we know that is the most powerful, um, formula for success and has been our success. And so when we look at culture and we look at harmful behaviors and what we're trying to do inside of TRADOC and across our army to reduce those harmful behaviors, 
One, it's because we want to make sure that we're effective, efficient, and everybody has the ability to be part of the team and is an inclusive environment. But we also have to understand when we're not, that impacts on recruiting. And so a lot of our efforts across the Army and inside of Trade Act that has been establishing that positive command climate and that culture that we want, those Army values and what we stand for, has a direct linkage to recruiting and the, what Johnny is trying to achieve in the recruiting environment. Hopefully that answered your question. It did, ma'am. Thank you so much. It's great to know that while we're working internally to better ourselves as a force in the Army with our cultural change and combating those harmful behaviors, those have a direct effect to those who we are trying to recruit because we want to be sure that, like General Davis mentioned, we're trying to bring awareness to what we're doing and what the Army is, and that includes when we're recruiting those individuals. The awareness has to be both internal and external of what our Army values are and our non-negotiables. Um, and ma'am, I wanted to pull on a string a little bit, and I'm actually going to kick this question over to Rachel. Um, you mentioned the operational environment and how recruiting fits in. So I wanted to, Rachel, could you give us an overview about how your team got involved with the accessions as an operations environment um, and kind of some of those findings that you've come upon while you guys have been doing your research. Yeah, of course. Um, so the G2's main focal point is really the operational environment. Um, and the operational environment, we define that as any area that our U.S. forces are going to be operating in. Um, and so the accessions and recruiting space, that falls under that umbrella. It is an area that we, our U.S. forces, our recruiters, are going to be operating in in 2030 and beyond. Um, so the G2 really got involved because we wanted to, to kind of help facilitate that discussion of how do we better posture ourselves to be able to successfully operate and recruit in the future. Um, so we really wanted to support the accessions and recruiting mission when it became, you know, the Army and TRADOC's top priority. Um, so that's how we kind of got involved and really tried to create that, that framework to to facilitate the discussion between senior leaders for them to kind of um, be able to think about ideas of how to successfully operate in the future. Um, and some of those major findings, we, we found um, really three major headwinds to the future that we think will have an impact on accessions and recruiting. The first being demographic changes, the second being technological advancements, and the third being economic fluctuations. So within those demographic changes, there's multiple variables. Um, the first being just the changing availability of potential recruits. So in the future, we're just gonna see a smaller recruiting pool. Um, there's a much lower birth rate um, currently, and that birth rate has been declining since about 2007. And with the low birth rate after the 2008 recession, we're gonna see a much smaller high school graduation rate in about starting in 2030. Um, in addition to the lower birth rates, people are also moving. Um, the most recent U.S. Census data showed people were moving west into less urban areas, which is potentially areas that the Army may not have as large of a presence in. Um, so that's really something that the Army uh, has the opportunity to look at in the future. Um, in addition to the changing availability of potential recruits, there's also a shrinking eligibility of recruits. So um, we've really seen a decline in eligible youth um, starting way back uh, for a couple years. And um, so for shrinking eligibility, there's a, um, right now there's 23% of uh, adults between 17 and 24 are eligible to uh, enlist in the Army. Um, and right now we have weight use, drug, or weight, um, drug use, and medical and physical conditions being the largest disqualifiers. 
And on the ROTC side, only 39% of undergraduate students even meet the requirements to enlist in um, or to uh, contract in SROTC. So those are some of the um, things that we're seeing with the shrinking eligibility of recruits. We're also seeing a decline in propensity and institutional trust. So our propensity to serve currently sits at about 9%, but it's been declining since around 2001. And roughly about 50% of US adults say that they have a great deal of trust in the military and in the army. Um, and with less than 1% of US adults serving in the military, there's a lack of familiarity with the military. Um, and all of those things really work together to kind of foster that civilian and military gap that we're seeing today. For technology, um, when we're talking about technology and the future, we're talking about, and we're talking about the Army of 2030, we're thinking about Generation Alpha and how they are interacting in this technological space. So they are starting to make decisions earlier. Um, the oldest of Generation Alpha right now is in the sixth and seventh grade. So they're really starting to form their perceptions of the world around them and the military and the Army. Um, and they're in a segmented information environment. You can't really get your information from one place anymore. It's all segmented. There's many different platforms and medias that these um, younger generations are interacting on. And those are really fostering those cultural influences that are influencing their perceptions of the Army and the military and the government. Um, so that's uh, a neat opportunity for the Army to earlier to kind of help shape their ideas. And lastly, for economic fluctuations, really the U.S.'s economic strength in the future may have an impact on, on accessions and recruiting, um, namely with the uh, competition for talent that we're seeing with industry. Um, industry is offering higher compensation, they're offering benefits, they're also offering a less restrictive work environment. And what we're seeing today is the younger generations um, aren't fully aware that military benefits over time vastly outweigh those of industries. Um, and we've seen that they often weigh the risks of military service over those benefits that they're uh, seeing today. So those are just some of the major findings and variables that we've seen with the Accessions uh, OE. Excellent, thanks. So real quick, um, so um, Rachel mentioned and she talked a lot about some of the um, changes in technology and things like that, and also Gen A. And you know, as you asked the last question, and you talked about how we're driving kind of a change in culture, especially as we're taking a look now in the recruiting environment itself, right? Um, you know, so as we're looking at it um, and working in close partnership with Johnny uh, Davis down at the USREC team, and also the Department of the Army team, and also our teammates up at OSD. I mean, to say it like this, we have a very industrial age recruiting process. Um, from the way we do it, how we bring our applicants in, how we kind of screen them, how they do our medical um, processing, how we're, we're contracting. And so when we're trying to drain, uh, drive some of that change, but we're really trying to do also and leverage technology and get after it. We're gonna, we wanna move from like this analog process that we have into a digital process to drive change in the way that we're, um, we're assessing our applicants, how recruiters and what they're focused on, um, you know, so that we can streamline the process. I mean, we, we can do it right now, right? I can go on my phone. Uh, Indeed has all these great jobs. It says, hey, apply right here. You know, if you need like a, if you need a drug test or whatever it is, they tell you how to go screen. They, and they do a lot of that, and it's instantaneous, right? But that's not how we do it. Our process 
that's almost instantaneous, right? I mean, you can also get like a, a home loan, a mortgage, you know, quickly, your credit check. They can do all kinds of things, renting homes. It's all kind of digital at your hands, right? But when we bring the applicants in, it's this, um, I'm going to call it a laborious mm -hmm. process, right? That every step of the way um, is just more things, more things. Well, if we don't drive change in our recruiting culture and how we're doing business, I mean, it, what we're going to do is we're seeing it now. Some of these applicants, they, they walk away. They go to somewhere else where, you know, they can potentially not get what, you know, um, that offers as much as we do, but it's something right in the process. And Johnny can talk about that. So I just wanted to bring that up because I think that's key as Rachel was talking about it. We've got to be able to adjust and we need to adjust, not just, not, not in the future. We need to adjust right now. That was actually, that's a great point, ma'am, is we talk about the Army of 2030 and how um, some of the findings that Rachel's team has um, seen is how we're going to recruit the Generation A. But right now we have to change, but we also have to be looking forward. So how do you, we've seen some of the new initiatives, which I'd love to hear from you, sir, about how those are um, how those are operating right now and how what the success of those some of those are but how do you balance these new initiatives to continue to meet our mission but also continue to build a recruiting um, command that is successful and sustainable and continues to walk forward as our culture and society changes yeah um so um great 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 question because it's a it's a balancing act and right now, you know, if you take a look at it, we, we are we are facing the challenge that's right here up front um, that we have to address right now. So as Rachel laid out some of those challenges that we saw, what we had to talk, take a look at is what did we have to do to evolve as, you know, what we're seeing, um, you know, across America that we had to address. So um, things like, you know, an increase um, in obesity, increase in those that were not uh, making as high as we would like them on the armed service vocational aptitude battery test um you know what were the things that you know were value proposition to these young men and women um so that we can message we could recruit we can incentivize them to come in and so you know we had to take a look at it and one of the things initiatives right off the bat was the future soldier uh preparatory course that is being executed at fort jackson and then we've expanded down to Fort Benning. It had both a, a fitness component with it and then also an academic component. Um, and, you know, as we stood that up very rapidly um, to the great work that was done across the team, you know, what we've seen is those that have come in and we need to focus on the fitness component. Quite frankly, they were, you know, they are losing the, the weight and the body fat necessary because they do not proceed their basic combat training until they have met the standard. So we're seeing that within first three weeks, they're meeting the standard going into BCT. And then on the academic uh, side of the house, within the first three weeks, we have 78% of those uh, young men and women that are improving their test score in at least one category. Um, and then so on the first test within three weeks in the next three weeks, we have 98% that are improving their test scores. But what we're, I'm finding exciting about this is that 55% of those 
are improving their category into the next, uh, you know, into the TSC, but, um, the category Bravo category, but 45% are going into the alpha category, which is just really um, just great news. But that's not, that's one piece of it. Then they go into BCT and they go into um, our advanced individual training. And guess what we're seeing? They're going into leadership positions. They're doing well on the PT test. They're getting recognized. They're more confident. They're wanting these leadership positions and lower attrition. So we're, we're seeing tremendous results with this as we're addressing the upfront piece of this. Um, and we're all lo we're looking at what other initiatives for the Army of 2030 do we need to start putting in place? And we have a, a lot of different big ideas that we're looking at because we want to be transformational. At the same time, we're having to address the very near-term near challenge. Um, I think one of the things that, and uh, Johnny will jump in here in just a second, but you know, the changing culture too, as you asked that question, it's not a USAREC mission. It is an Army mission. And so what we have now, um, and the Army has been kind of what I would call mobilized. Everybody's a recruiter, and we're all responsible for helping to field this Army. We have alignment with our, um, Army, uh, our Army partners like ForceCom, Army Materiel Command, our Army Futures Command, our Army Service Components are out there. Everybody is out there partnering now with Johnny's brigades, um, recruiting brigades and battalions to be there. And he'll talk about two other initiatives that came up so that we can start addressing um, some of the near-term and longer-term challenges. So Johnny, you want to jump in on yeah, that? Yeah, thanks, ma'am. And you're absolutely right. I think there's, uh, and Joe Gervais was absolutely right. We have to look at this from both sides, both long-term and near-term. And right now, I'm trying to fill the ranks of our, our wonderful formations uh, that the nation uh, may call upon at any moment. And, and so one, and, and I have two initiatives. Uh, and what's interesting about these two initiatives, they were both recommendations from recruiters. So everything that we are pursuing in terms of near-term uh, uh, sessions and and, uh, and filling the ranks were from, you know, one was from a you know, first sergeant, another one was from a sergeant first class, all recruiters. The, and I'm so excited about this. The first one is called the Soldier Referral Program. And uh, the soldier referral program is really leveraging the high retention rates of the force. So as you know, once we uh, we get some wonderful uh, superstars in uh, in uniform, uh, most likely they'll stay in uh, and because they're enjoying their service. So we should leverage that. And so that's what a recruiter share. Hey, we should leverage this and I absolutely listen. So the referral program is just that. It focuses on every single soldier comparable one, two, and three, whether it's active guard reserve, can, are now, we're asking you uh, really a call to action to help uh, the Army in terms of recruiting. And what does that mean? So if you refer a family or friend uh, or someone you know that is, uh, goes on through the, uh, the process, and it is a laborious process, uh, it can take up to 60 to 90 days, uh, depending on the background of each uh, individual, uh, if once they ship to basic combat training, if they're uh, in the grades of uh, private to private first class, we will promote them one grade within 60 days, which is a big deal. And if you're E4 to E5 or E5 to E6, uh, so you'll also be awarded the recruiter ribbon, just like everyone else is also authorized to be 
awarded the recruiter, recruiter ribbon, and you can get that up to four times. So I know General Grace working a bunch of different referrals uh, <laughs> for me, uh, but I've, I have one that's going to uh, um, uh, get through, and uh, I think he's on the floor in Memphis right now, and will join by the, I think, the end of today, uh, the, a college grant that I ran into. Uh, so everybody will is is asked to uh, provide a referral. So the recruiter ribbon is a is a big deal. The social referral program. So just to give you an idea, this was approved like three weeks ago. We have 1,200 referrals as of this morning, and 14 contracts uh, within three weeks. I didn't expect it to uh, launch this quickly, uh, but again, and we have a few hundred already in the pipeline uh, from that. Uh, so this is this is a near-term approach. Future soldier prep courses, investing in those who would otherwise not uh, qualify for military service. And then I will tell you, I mean, your comments earlier about how do you how do you connect with this this current generation and really the next generation? I'll tell you that is uh, I've asked my team, uh, just like as the Secretary of the Army has asked me, what's the next big idea? I've asked my team, and I'm asking all of you, hey, what? What else is out there? What what else can we do? And I I'll tell you, we're we're thinking through a lot. We're we're executing more change in terms of how we're investing in our recruiter force and what we're doing in this industrial age process more in the last five months than we've done in 20 years. So there's a lot of change ongoing in terms of recruiter. So how do we connect with the digital natives? That's uh, you know my 17 and 18 and 15 year old in my house. They're different than my 31 and 29 year olds. Uh, so how do I connect? So I've asked my team, we have to be able to connect. Hey, how about being a mobile recruiter where your vehicle has everything you need to uh, uh, to you know bring someone into the United States Army? That's something we're, we're looking at. So we're, we are trying, talent management, how do we train and select the future, uh, gen, really Gen Z recruiters and Gen A uh, recruiters? It should not be the same old system that uh, was executed when General Gervais and I were young lieutenants. We have to do something different uh, in today's environment in terms of how do we assess and then bring them on uh, the team and then unleash their superpower. Everybody has a superpower. We just got to know how to unleash it in today's environment. So your, your question earlier was, uh, was awesome. You have to look at it, and it's a balance act, near term, long term. And, 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 you know, even if you don't get some things right, let me tell you, we're getting a lot more things right than we are wrong. And that's what I feel great about. So I'll, I'll stop right there, man. Thanks for the opportunity. No, we appreciate that. And you can just feel the passion and um, just the confidence in these initiatives that have been able to be created, rolled out, and even finding success at this time. Um, you mentioned five months in army terms is a microscopic amount of time so to be able to create something roll it out to the force and find that success is incredible so there is a lot that is changing in the recruiting field um rachel touched on that we've touched on the initiatives and programs how do you keep everyone because recruiting is an army mission not just a trade or usurec mission how do you keep everyone motivated walking down the same road how do you get that buy-in there's just so much going on so how do you get that buy-in how do you keep it all tampered moving down the track together 
Yeah. Hey, um, you know, so that's a that's probably one of the key questions right there, right? Because as you're taking a look at it, I mean, so number one, one of the most important things in all of this is we have to understand the why on why we're doing it. And we have to get that down to the lowest level. Um, and it has to resonate in a way that we truly understand, you know, this is why we need to do this. And quite frankly, the reason we need to do this is because, you know, we, we, we're having the smallest army since I think World War II, right? And Johnny kind of articulated that early when he talked about the risk. You know, there's readiness impacts that come along with this, but there's risk. I mean, having the smallest army means, you know, the world, is, as was just laid out, it's not getting any safer. It's getting more dangerous. And so that risk is, that means we're sending our sons and daughters, our grandson, you know, in the harm's way, smaller than they, they should be. And with that, that comes risks that we should never accept. We should never accept that. And so when you look at the why on this, sustaining the all-volunteer force, quite frankly, it's a national security threat. It is absolutely a national security threat. And so that why is the motivation. I think the second piece of this, and you kind of alluded to it, right? We've made a lot of progress in five months. However, when you look at that, I mean, every single day, every single day matters right every single day that we don't get one of these initiatives up and running every single day you know because one of my jobs is to help get the resources that he needs that's part of the reason we're sitting in here in the pentagon right now but every single day that goes by that's a day we can't get back we can't get back his recruiters can't and so when that happens that just means the next day means we got to get more and more and more. And to me, that's where I churn a lot because, you know, we have to work through some things to get it, you know, make sure everything's like we crossed our I's and dotted our T's or dotted our I's and crossed our T's, right? But when that goes by and it's three weeks later, that means the potential what he could have recruited has gone away, has gone away. And then we're putting more, more demand on an already stressed recruiting force in an already difficult environment. And so to me, that, that's what, how you motivate. And then you talk about the importance, you talk about why we need this. Um, Johnny, you wanna add to it? No, ma'am, I think you're you're absolutely right. Every uh, single day matters. And I track it, you know, every day. When you think about, you know, the requirements to man an army, it's not just, you know, the, active duty but the reserve forces also have responsibility uh, for special operations and medical so i got to go out there and fight for every physician that's the next orthopedic surgeon to help or you name it the eye doctor you we are uh i mean every single day we're looking for hey what, do, what can we do differently uh to connect uh with this current uh, market because we want to not only create more efficiency in the recruiter force. We want them to get better. We want them to be more confident uh, in this in this very difficult uh, market. And they are. There is momentum across the uh, uh, the force. And what we're doing, and you know, thanks to the, the entire Army support, 
we're focusing on as this continues to mature. So man, that I mean that's a that's a great uh, question and, and comments to let So I we're kind of coming to the end of our time, but I do want to ask one final question to both of you actually. Uh, General Davis, we'll start with you. So we've mm -hmm. talked about the recruiting mission being everyone's responsibility. So mm -hmm. to me that means civilians as well, because we're yes. members of yes. the army. So if you could give advice to a recruiter, a civilian, and somebody who is active duty or international guard or reserves right now to assist in this mission, what would it be? Yeah, so really this is a call to action that I would ask everyone. What I would tell, uh, you know, if they're a civilian and they're a veteran, I want them to tell their, their story, tell, tell their military story. If they're a civilian, I want you to help uh, really explain the power of national service. And, and of course, as a soldier, you know, again, just tell your story of what you are learning each and every day uh, serving this very nation. All, I mean, there's no particular uh, hidden, you know, uh, secret password to, you know, uh, you know, bringing in the next, you know, superstar into uniform. They just need to understand, and that's sharing your story that hey service is powerful opportunities from service are endless and uh you can in today's environment uh given the competition this war for talent you can be all you can be okay. yeah hey so, so um well said by general davis and if you take a look at it um you know i would also say inside that um, I would give advice to also our cadets that are serving in our, our um, you know, senior ROTC programs, and also even an engagement in our junior ROTC programs. But when you come back, you know, just telling your Army story is so powerful. And um, I would also say that you don't necessarily have to wear the uniform to be able to serve, right? We have so many opportunities, especially inside of our you know, our civilian, our contracting communities. We have great internship programs that are just tremendous that help you get experience and help you get exposure and allow you to contribute. And I think as you take a look at it, you know, the understanding of the value proposition, right? The, the value proposition that comes with service. You can take a look at it and there are so many opportunities as, as uh, General Davis just laid out. You have the opportunity to take change, not just your trajectory and the path that you were on um, you know, for the betterment, but also for you know the generations that come behind you, inside your family. Because you know, a lot of things like the ability for tuition assistance, the ability to go to school, get a skill, credentialing that goes along with that. You know, whether you serve for three years or four years or 34 years, 
you know, you're going to have the opportunity to better yourself as a person, a leader, a soldier with, you know, so opportunity for school. And, you know, and then on top of it, the benefits, right? The medical, the dental benefits that come along with it and how you can have a stable um, and predictable life for your family. And on top of that, the GI Bill, right? You'll have an opportunity inside service to for educational benefits. But when you come out, you have an opportunity with the GI Bill to, you know, if you have the ability to transfer that inside your family, you have now somebody can go to school, right? But a lot of those things don't get said. And then to end that, he just started, you know, you can be all you can be in the army because of the opportunities but i'm going to submit to you you're going to be more than you ever imagined you could be because of the things you're going to get to do the people you get to serve with and how great they are and how they help you overcome things and then it's just going to be an unbelievable journey you just don't have to understand it and we have to get them into the service because once we get them in oh, attention yes it's not our challenge it is uh and ma'am i will tell you you're absolutely right and once you're in and you under and you see the camaraderie the teamwork you know after this many years you know i never you know when i look back on myself as a you know long young 17 year old in milwaukee wisconsin you know and few of my you know influencers whether it's my school counselor or principal or even you know church leader all of these leaders in the community said hey there's something there with you and we're so proud of you as you, you know, are going to, you know, serve the nation. I never imagined I would be in the position I am now, you know, 33 years later uh, from the, but I still remember those discussions. So that's what I will share. Share with that young 17 or 18 year old out there right now, pull them aside and tell them, talk with them. You never underestimate your impact on our nation's future. Yeah, well, excellent, John. Excellent. I don't think we could have had a better conclusion in uh, any of these discussions ever. Um, uh, I just want to thank everyone for uh, taking the time to join us today for this discussion about recruiting. Um, so we're going to go around the horn and see if anybody has any final thoughts. So Rachel, are there any closing thoughts you have for today? I just wanted to say thank you for having us today and I'm, I'm really happy that the G2 could uh, support this mission. Absolutely. Yeah. You've, your team has been invaluable in creating some of the um, foundational elements to move forward with some of these initiatives that are finding some great success in the Army. So thanks for joining us today. Um, General Davis, do you have anything you'd like to share before we close out today? No, no, Sarah. First of all, thanks. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to be a part of this. I know, uh, you know, I, I want to be part of more. I want to share you know, a lot of things that I've learned. And I also ask that everyone that's listening on, Let's make sure to uh, visit your local recruiting station and bring me a recruit by the end of this week. Thanks. <laughs> I'm sure everybody will get right on that, sir, and we will start <laughs> doing our part to recruit the, uh, the, all, the Army of 2030. So thank you again, sir, for uh, bringing your expertise and leadership to this discussion. Uh, General Gervais, do you have any closing thoughts for today? Yeah, just a couple closing thoughts here. Um, so we all know um, kind of what the recruiting environment was. We know what happened in 22, and we know the steps that were taken in 23 and beyond. I would leave you with this thought. Whenever you're in crisis is when there is the greatest opportunity. And so what we need to do is we need to seize on the opportunity we have right now in this challenge and in this crisis to be able to set the foundation 
um, that we need for our army moving forward. And with that means it comes with change, which change makes us uncomfortable, um, but we have to do it. And then the last thing I would say is, you know, when we kind of saw the, started really understanding the problem set, we're moving quickly, maybe not as quick in some areas that we would like to, but quite frankly, we're seeing the momentum. And we have the momentum, but that's great. We need to do more because we need to accelerate it to a level to be able to overcome, you know, some of the deficits that we have in filling our formation. But, you know, we have the right leader and the right focus across our army, and we're going to crush it. We are going to crush it. So let's keep doing it. Absolutely, ma'am. And with both of you at the helms of where you are with leadership, uh, there's no doubt that we're going to continue to find success. So um, as we've heard today, the Army has taken serious steps to continue to build the all-volunteer force. TRADOC's mission to acquire the nation's best is something we do not take lightly. The discussion today proves the command's dedication to continue to be creative and purposeful when it comes to recruiting the next generations of soldiers. Stay tuned to TRADOC social media channels for information on our next LPD discussion. And in case you've missed any of our other LPDs, be sure to check out our Vimeo or YouTube pages for the full version or check out TRADOC Talks wherever you get your podcast content for the audio version of every past discussion. I want to thank everyone again for joining us. And as always, victory starts here.